I won't be going to Microsoft anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> sir, I understand you just bought a license. Listen, there are people out there who need support, and They're I huge. have to be. They're huge. Yeah. No, not... no, no. Having a Microsoft ins <laughs> VM instance in. in Listen, Thomas I know right. you nope, have Thomas a Microsoft right. desktop. Calm buddy. down, Spicer. You're getting red faced. You have... <laughs> You're listening to PHP Ugly episode 51, recorded Thursday, March 2nd, 2017. Today we discuss our excitement over trending on some podcast listings, custom shifts now available in Laravel Shift, how Amazon broke the internet, and so much more. Let's get started. We are in episode 50. <laughs> Wait, is this episode 50? No, it's episode 51. 51. Thomas, John, Eric, the crew, back together again yes. for another fantastic conversation of... Whatever well, we it's talk a, about, it'll yeah. be a conversation. I don't know about fantastic. I just ran out of steam. I I, I got to a, got off to a good start. <laughs> he burned it out. He burned bright, but he burned fast. <laughs> I want to start it off with some great news. Wow, Tom is just jumping into this. Right into it. Right Go into ahead, it. my friend. We're trendy. Well, we knew that. We're trending. I'm I like I've, I've been telling my kids this for years. I'm like, you got to dress more like your pops, man. I, I'm setting the style, man. Yeah. All Diego Dev all the time. <laughs> all the time. We are we are listed in the popular podcasts on programmingpodcast.com. It was pretty cool, right? Yeah. Like we're we're sitting pretty there. I think it's a fluke thing. I think we're like probably like the last ones they added. Uh, <laughs> they, they forgot to update it. Yeah, so but, some but kind of fit, integer we... rollover issue or... <laughs> We've been there for a couple of days, so I'm I'm pretty proud of the fact. It looks like in a pretty official site, our name is on it under popular podcast, right there by uh, Full Stack Radio with Adam Wathen, uh, Reactive, which you know it's reactive. It's just, it's not like a real programming language. No, whatever. No. Although as as PHP yeah. developers, we have to be careful when we say that. <laughs> People get <laughs> yeah, angry. This is true. <laughs> But yeah, I thought that was cool. I, I stumbled across that. I somebody had recommended that we be added to the site. I saw that on Twitter, and I popped over. Not only were we added, but we were in the popular podcasts section. I, I don't know how they do their analytics, or like I said, if it's just like a well, clearly they don't. don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. I I, I took a couple screenshots. You know. <laughs> a couple. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get them made into posters and put them on my wall behind me. But who would have thought there were 211 programming podcasts? That's a lot. Yeah, that's too many. I can't begin to tell you. I mean, how many PHP podcasts? I, I was looking at my podcasts. Uh, the I use a pod. What do I use? Pocket Podcasts uh, to listen. I, I'm a podcast listener. I mean, I've told you guys this in the past, and. Uh, Somebody started publishing. I, I saw you could publish from that application your list of podcasts, and I just published mine. And even the limited ones that I I listen to, which 
is a fair amount, but I just can't believe what the selection that's out there now. Not not only there are, are there a lot of podcasts out there, but just good quality podcasts. Like people are putting time into putting these podcasts together. Good conversation. I mean, then you got scrubs like us, but yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully one day we'll put in our, our time and effort. <laughs> There's just so many in, in in every language, every platform, just about everything you can think of has a good pool of podcasts out there right now. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. I, I like seeing things like that. I like hearing from people on Twitter who listen to our show and and reach out to us. I I enjoy that stuff. It's it's fun to me. I I like it. It gets fun when you go out somewhere and you're you get recognized too. Which we do have the YouTube stream, so people could see us. But that was that was one of the fun things when I did the uh, the bowling podcast years ago. And we go to the to a trade show and and have kids run up and and say, "I listen to you." I'm like, "Whoa, what? <laughs> Had no clue." <laughs> How is Colorado going for you, Thomas? It is wonderful. I haven't left the house in I can't even remember. Well, it can't be much more than a week because that's all you've been there. <laughs> no, it's been yeah, it's been about a week. No, I, I love it here, man. It's uh, nice, crisp, crisp, cool air. You know, uh, it, it snows every once in a while, but it's just like enough to purely decorate the landscape. It doesn't have any negative effect in any way. So you know, we'll, we'll get like a half an inch, and it'll just go cover the trees and cover the brown grass and look pretty for long enough to take a picture, and then it's gone. You find a user group out there yet? You gonna? You fa- have oh, you found some people cool. to get out and socialize with? No, there. You know, Come there's. On. There's like 10 meetups for entrepreneurs, which is like the opposite of the kind of meetup I want to go to. And there's there's nothing for PHP. There's some security stuff. There's, you know, this and that. But John, lay the line on it. Lay, lay the line on him. If there's not a user group near you, congrats. You're it. <laughs> yeah. you, are, you are now the, the organizer of the user group. Yes. You, you can put the antisocial agoraphobe in charge of your user meetup. <laughs> Cal Evans would be proud of you. That's right. Aw. You've done it before. Don't act like you haven't done it before. I have. I just don't want to do it right now. <laughs> I, you know, I only got one car, and I'm enjoying having time to myself, not having to schedule. I'm enjoying anything. not going to meetups right now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you back to work? I am. I'm back. I'm back at work just in time for my boss to take a ski vacation in Colorado. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah, he's, but he's three hours north of me. Uh, Thomas, you'd be proud. I finally uh, got back to the, the meetup, to the Laravel meetup last week. Oh, yeah, you showed up? I did show up for half of it. <laughs> <laughs> did we talk about this, Thomas? No. Well, we did talk about it. You just didn't pay attention. That's probably We got true. hammered. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened, but before the meetup, I, I had... A few too many. And I got halfway through the meetup. I walked outside because it was nice and cool outside. I walked around a little bit. <laughs> I, I I text Eric and he's like, well, the pizza's here now. So I'm like, oh, that's what I need. So I, I run back up. I eat a couple pieces of pizza. And before I know it, I'm like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I walked outside and I left Everything left, left everything behind, left everything. his phone behind, his computer, <laughs> his bag. He just disappeared. I, I went, here's the funny part. Here's the funny part. I go out to the, the parking lot. I'm like, I got to do something. This is bad. I jogged 
across the parking lot and back and then just sat down on a cold uh, stone bench for however long it was. It was so bad. We, the meetup ends. It's over. We're, we we do the after conversation, talking, socializing thing. Everybody's walking out. I'm like, I don't know. Grab his bag. Let's just see where he's at. He comes stumbling out of this bush, hair all mangled. And, uh... Wife, yeah, wife threw was, me uh... out of the car. <laughs> no, we 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 Ubered it to the. Well, we didn't Uber it. We had one of the one of our our fellow partners uh, friends drove us to the to the meetup and drove us back to where the cars were left. So it was fun though. I enjoyed it. What <laughs> you remember of it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember way too much of it. Since since we went down this section. I, I'm going to put John on the spot a little bit because I've got to be honest with you. We've, uh, John and I have been friends for a while and, um, you know, obviously we like each other. We like how each other, we enjoy working together. So we started Diego dev and, uh, you know, that's all been, been fine dandy. And John and I have worked on several projects together and, you know, some good, some bad. And, uh, sometimes we code together. Sometimes, most of the times we don't like John and I actually very rarely code on the same project or, or, you know, most times if we're working on a project, it's in a management position or, uh, something like that. One of us will typically code, but we don't do a lot of hardcore coding anymore. And, um, at least together. we have had, yeah, at least together. <laughs> the last uh, couple days have been such a, uh, challenge are you guys uh, getting a we, divorce we, we... <laughs> no but one of our clients we, we had we had a big effort with the client a lot of things have gone sideways with it and john and this is a project john really didn't have a lot of exposure to to the code recently um i mean he did years ago but you know he got back involved sat back that i gotta tell you what I forget what a fantastic developer John is. And I, I'm not just saying that because he's here or because he's my business partner, or because he's my friend. I am literally amazed to watch this guy break down code, break down database schemas, connect dots, follow logic that he, he never wrote that was poorly struct, you know, constructed to begin with, follow that logic, find, the, find bugs. That's all this guy has done for the last two days. Or find these gaps in code, find where things have been done incorrectly or where things were breaking and fix it. And we're talking about a huge code base that's very complex. And it's it's like watching I, I was telling my client today, we were we were chatting, I'm like, watching John code on this problem is like some next level shit, man. I mean, this guy is like it, he's out of his mind. You you really understand what it means to be a professional coder when you see somebody like John doing development. Wow. Thank so you. I, just, <laughs> I wanted to just kind of put that out there. Dude, it's just been amazing watching you work these last couple of days. Well, I don't know how much credit I can take there outside. I think people have different skill sets, right? There are plenty of developers that are way better than I am, way smarter than I am. But when it comes to debugging shit, I feel that's my wheelhouse. Like I can, I can debug really well. And when he says this code base is horrendous, 
I mean, very few classes, and the classes that are, well, I can't say very few classes, but the classes that are there are just huge beasts, like functions with thousand plus lines. It's just a mess. And then it's like, well, where did they get this data? Where did they get that data? And we put somebody in charge of kind of tackling this billing issue, and without knowing the code backwards and forwards, get all the pieces in the right spot. And to his credit, it wasn't 100% his fault because the previous developers did some backward-ass shit. I mean, they there's supposed to be data in two columns in a table. And then in another piece of code, it says, well, if that data's not there, let's go and try and just figure it out from over here. Oh, <laughs> and, me. Well, the problem was the developer only saw the hack part, so that's the only piece they they knew about. <laughs> <laughs> so... They, so I was like, wait, that's not supposed to be there. It was, it was not, it's not been a fun couple of days, that's for sure. Billing is never fun to, to, to mess with. No, billing is the second worst. And what I feel, I feel so horrible about is knowing what needed to be done. We were basically just moving merchant accounts, right? We're going from this authorized that net account to that one, which sure. should be super simple. Uh, yeah, it's they, just an ID number. Yeah, and then they use... Uh, the customer information manager. So that's just addresses and credit card profiles in authorize.net. We got all of that data from them and put it into the new account, right? So there's this mirroring of data. So I kept assuring the client, all we're doing is updating data. You update the data, everything will run fine. No, we, we run it, it blows up. We had a rollback plan. The developer executed that rollback plan but again, not knowing how crappy this code was, forgot to update um, a field. So the way the previous developers wrote it, if billing fails, fails this month, they schedule it for next month to be billed twice. He didn't realize that. So when he moved hmm. the billing back, he moved the billing date back to this month to rerun it. The people that were successful got billed twice. That's yeah, it was, usually it, not It's been good. a rough couple of days. It, yeah. I mean, I'm giving way too much detail. I'm, just, I'm trying to express how horrible this code was and, and what a nightmare we've had trying to, to rectify these issues. Yeah, and it's still not done. No, we're, still working, we're still working through it. We're about 48 hours into it, and it's still not right. Well, you know, yeah. there's, um, there's a new tool out there to actually to, to smooth along moving from one framework to a new framework. Oh, Yeah. Can I can I use Dude, it? Can, no. I, can I use that? I, I think I think Thomas is done with their little. <laughs> he, he's like, will you stop your session? Will you stop? He's ready to move moment? on with the show. <laughs> the part of the uninterested listener in this episode is played by me. <laughs> no, no, I, I know, I know. I, I mean, I've I've worked with those monstrous code bases before. Oh no! Move on to the freaking show notes, you bitch. Uh, well, this is your show note. Is it? Yeah, I was just trying to derail you. Good, good. You, you did a great job. We appreciate, <laughs> yeah. we appreciate that. I would have gone on All right. too long. Let's get into the news. Good God. Hey, what's going on in the PHP world right now? Laravel Shift. I missed... So we've been so busy with this problem with this client. I actually missed my recording today with uh, Laravel Chat Live podcast, which is... I actually look forward to doing that one. Just kidding, guys. I love you guys. He's not kidding. I do, really. He tried to get out of this recording. (laughs) I don't blame him. On on the show today, they had Jason, the creator of Laravel Shift. 
he was on the show and talking about Laravel Shift, talking about this new shift, which we'll get into here in a second, talking about his Getting Git uh, series. So I was pretty pretty bummed I missed it. But So Laravel Shift, if you don't know, I've talked about it on shows in the past. We've used it at Diego Dev to, to move uh, from one version of Laravel to another version of Laravel. I think I've turned Thomas on to trying it. Uh, I've actually turned a couple people on to trying it. And typically what you do with Laravel Shift is it, it'll it'll upgrade your Laravel application for you. That's all fine and dandy. Uh, a couple shows back, you might have remembered uh, he's, he's working on a Laravel Shift. I keep saying Laravel Shift. I'm sorry. It's called Shift. He's working on the Shift uh, developer platform where people can write their own shifts for other components uh, publish them, get paid for it. It's like a revenue sharing thing or, or publish them for free. Yeah. But he released an interesting shift uh, last week, which was a shift that would convert a Lumen application. And, and Thomas, what's Lumen? Lumen is the lightweight framework for Laravel developers. Right. So it's basically the mic micro framework version of Laravel, which is really its wheelhouse. What it's targeted for is... Uh, to write quick API, API endpoints. It's not really meant to have views associated, although you could. But it's really meant to just create some API endpoints. And I've used it in the past. And I've always struggled where I, I can never think of a good scenario where I want to just have a Lumen application. But I have had cases where I started with the Lumen application, then I had to move the Lumen application to a Laravel application. And it's not a straightforward copy these files over all the time. Now, it's there's a shift for that. So there's a shift out there that will move a Lumen application over to a Laravel install. I thought that was pretty good. And I, I hope with that out there, maybe Lumen will get a little bit more traction. Maybe a few more people use it just to kind of get that initial application up, get those endpoints up, and then as the... Application starts to build out now that they have a easy way to move over to a full blown Laravel app. Maybe they will. I don't know, but I thought it was cool. So I threw it in the show notes. I dig it. Yeah, I mean that's that's really a a one framework to a different framework shift. So that's that's a big move. Yep. Yep. Talking to Jason about because people are always the reason he he created the whole shift developer platform is people are always coming to him with ideas for shifts. And he basically said, you know, they're, they're great ideas. Some of them are niche. Some of them aren't. Uh, some of them, you know, you could probably make some money on. Others, people probably wouldn't pay a lot for. But the reality of it, and what he, he realizes, he just doesn't have the time to develop them all. And uh, so that's why he started to develop a framework to allow people to develop their own shifts. Yeah. So that, that was pretty cool. I'm looking forward to seeing... What comes out? You, you actually had a couple of good ideas for shifts as far as up, upgrading components, maybe some shifts for view. Uh, it'd be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what people do with that. Elsewhere in the news, we're looking at uh, Homestead version five. Do you guys know any? Who's still using Homestead? I think I'm still on Homestead like Homestead? one point one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Homestead is the one uh, Laravel project that seems to be adhering to Semver uh, correctly. So this is this is a major version change, and there are a lot of people out there who are using Homestead not for Laravel. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, effect this has. But 
so Settler is the the image that Homestead uses. So when you're launching Homestead, it launches the Settler image of, uh, I believe, Ubuntu. Uh, and Settler has changed. So a couple big things there. The HHVM has been removed completely. Um, Laravel has Right, been... because Laravel, Laravel stopped supporting it, right? A couple versions back? Right, a couple versions back, Laravel said HHVM is no longer, you know, on the board. 7 is too fast. Home, you know, HHVM is not going to catch up anytime soon. Uh, the other thing is now, uh, I don't necessarily agree with this, but uh, the UTF-8 MB4 character set is now the default for databases. Um, so what that means for you is that emojis are supported in databases. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm real excited. So are you telling me I can put the little poop symbol in my database now? Yeah, I, I'm telling you that you will have no choice. The users will do it for you. Oh, that's awesome. Do you have those people in your social networks that just... Like, they try to work emojis into their sentence, and, like, five of the seven words are freaking emojis. Yeah, my children. You want to know how big of an idiot I am? I I don't know how to put the goddamn emoji in my tweets, man. I, I still do the old, I <laughs> type out the smiley face. Is How do you put emojis in there? It's a, I don't it's a totally it. different keyboard. It's a what? It's a different keyboard. On your phone, it's a, it's a keyboard that you switch to. Uh, okay. You probably have to and install then... it. <laughs> Yeah, on PC you have to like find them and then copy and paste them or or something. Really, that's how you. The the couple times I've done it, that's what I've done. I've like yeah. found them in like other tweets and copied and pasted them because I don't know how the hell to put them in. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. We're in the mobile world now, man. Everyone's everyone's using their iPhone or their Android to write content, which is god awful. Really? So so on my iPhone, if are those just like the smiley face uh yeah the smiley faces that i can insert which i again i never insert those i always type it out because i'm i'm old school like that well because why would you emoji is stupid <laughs> <laughs> this is true all right look at it later um, who's uh another big thing is nginx or i'm sorry is uh ngrok is now installed by default. Uh, and if you don't know what ngrok is, you're missing out. ngrok is a tunneling service. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it will let you open up a public uh, share of whatever you're working on in your development environment. So it pokes through your firewall, connects to the ngrok server, and then hosts it for you through your own web server. So it's a, it's a nice little tunneling service that you just run on the command line, and it gives you a link to send out to somebody and it's great for development when you're working remotely and can't just show somebody something on your own computer. I actually use it for a service that we provide uh, called PhoneBurner, and the the PBX servers talk to the web server. So in development, if you want to do real dials, I had to use my VM that's hosted in their data center, which is always a pain to make sure my code is up to date there. So actually just last week I got NGROC working where the PBX server talks to my local Vagrant box, which is making development so much nicer again. Yeah, I don't know. If you remember when I was working on those IVR projects, John, that's exactly what I was doing. I was, I was coding the IVR to have the Twilio app have the ability to talk to my my development stuff. I, I did NGROC and had that be the endpoint and worked out great. Uh, I just actually used NGROC this last week to share a file with a couple of developers who needed a file. I'm like, uh, let me just put this in my here and I'll just fire up NGROC and you guys can download it over HTTPS. And yeah, it's, it's got some, it's got some pretty good uses 
for it. I, yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah, so if you think about it, just beyond letting somebody else see the, the web server or, or the web pages on your local environment, there's many other things you can use it for. Yeah, and there's a there's a free tier and there's a paid tier. I'm a big fan. Um, besides Ngrok, there's a lot of changes in the configuration stuff for Homestead, so this is not just a straight-up upgrade. You're going to have to do some tweaking if you have a custom Homestead config. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, that's it for Homestead. It's it's good to see that it's cool. an active project. Yeah, yeah. Thomas. Yes, sir. Do you remember talking last week? What, what did we talk about? We said, like... Oh, God, it seemed like every week a new IM client was coming out again, right? Well, we talked about that two weeks ago too, and then then last week a new one came out. Why is there? There's not another one, is there? There, we're gonna we're gonna keep that IM train rolling along here. Oh. Uh, Google. Now this is this is kind of not exactly a new instant messaging client, but it it, it is along the lines of that uh, Amazon Chime. There's there seems to be a real push to this enterprise sort of messaging solution and now google which we stream our show on google at diego dev we have established google hangouts that everybody knows to go to for meetings and and to to talk through things we use google hangout extensively actually google is announcing a new version of hangout maybe it's called meet and this actually solves some of the problems we have internally right now when we use Google Hangout. Um, the biggest, so the, the idea behind Meet, again, more like Chime, kind of like um, uh, GoToMeeting, where you can do presentations through it, that sort of stuff. Uh, the one feature I saw with Google Meet that has me interested is that you can establish a phone number for external people to call into. Oh really? Uh, I think I was t- yeah. I, I think I was telling you Thomas that you know as a consulting group one of the things John and I typically have to do is settle on what platform a client uses that we can we can have meetings with them. Um because everybody's you know we're virtual everybody's remote. So we've used Skype in the past, we've used Hangouts and sometimes you know, John and I will Skype, and then we call somebody over uh, a phone line. So there's all these mix and match sort of solutions. And now with Google Hangout, you know, bada bing, bada boom, we establish a Hangout, and people can call into the Hangout with a regular phone if they want, or they can dial in with their uh, with their computer. It's I'm looking forward to this one. It's we have a business account, and I've been checking to see if it's there for us to enable yet, and it hasn't been there yet. But uh, I'm hoping it. Uh, I'm hoping it is available soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, pivoting this podcast to a call-in show. <laughs> That's a good idea. Speaking of uh, Google launching, did you see what they did with uh, YouTube TV? Oh, I am excited. No. Yeah. They, Wait, they, what happened? They've they've got a new uh, narrow band service coming out for like thirty five dollars a month. You can get your local stations, and you know you can pick and choose the the channels you want. What? It's it's a DVR service too. So yeah, not all the un, information un, is unlimited. out there. Yeah. So Dish did a similar thing uh, when they were launch, when they launched uh, what did they call it? Slappy, sticky, sticky. Hopper, hopper, hopper. No. Oh jeez! I say I have a dish hopper, but I mean that's that's just like a what what was it called TiVo? Sling. Uh, no, not TiVo. 
Sling, yeah, yeah. So Dish, which acquired the company Slingbox, is is now selling Sling DVR, which is basically live TV streamed over your current internet access. It's it's got a lot of drawbacks. Um, you know, there's a lot of content that you can't store for later purposes. There's content that you can't skip mm. ads. You know. You don't get control over it as if you were actually paying for something. So, so this is this that that is a separate service from their disc service with Sling, right? So Sling is that's, just that's a, what I have. Yeah, Sling is a cord cutter service that they provide. So if you if you don't want to buy into the whole uh, two hundred and fifty channels, then you can just get the important ten channels. So hmm. it's it's interesting. YouTube is coming into the market and saying, we want to do the same thing. Their announcement didn't have any specific details on things like content or broadcast flag or if you could record live sports events, which Sling does not allow you to do. They did say that anything you record is stored for 90 days, and it comes with a six-user pack. Wow. So you get you get six different accounts tied to the the service which you know that's that's super handy i mean i don't want any of my kids dvr crap on my feed because they just they watch garbage. that's that's pretty cool i i've got to check that out i i do the whole i've got the amazon prime where i have the videos there i've got hulu, hulu. i paid for hulu for a while netflix yeah i, I yeah oh yeah netflix yeah, but no, the problem they... with all those is you don't you don't get your local stations Right, and and actually, YouTube contracted with a bunch of local stations so that specifically, if you're in Colorado Springs, you get Colorado Springs version of the news or San Diego mm. news or whatever your location is. But part of that does lead into the fact that this is a per metropolitan area release. This is not rolling out nationwide instantly. Mm-hmm. So, but it does include the YouTube Red subscription. So if you pay for the TV service, you get the YouTube version of original content paid for by youtube but it won't be the same as youtube red like no, the nice it, it, one of the nice things with youtube youtube red is not having to watch the ads on the videos and i believe it's i believe it's a tied in thing i think you get the full youtube red subscription and the tv subscription but we'll, well so, so my see. my question is I, I pay for google music which gets me youtube red for free i wonder if that's going to get tied in any way that would be awesome because I I've been going back and forth whether or not I want to keep paying for Google Music. I see I seem to jump around between Google Music, Spotify, and then I'll just drop all of them and just listen to Amazon Prime Music for a while, which now they have an additional tier that you can pay for. But if paying for Google Music got me YouTube TV, because I, I don't really watch YouTube Red, but if it got me YouTube TV, there's a couple of good shows that, on YouTube Red. That's that's a game changer for me. Really, what, what do you what do you think is good on YouTube Red, John? Because I haven't found anything. Most of it's garbage, but uh, I've been enjoying Minefield. Minefield. Yeah, that's that was the one I was thinking of too. With, from Vsauce, there's something about the way that guy talks. I really enjoy his content. Okay. Him, him and Adam Savage are getting together. Uh, Brain yeah. Candy Live. I so want to yeah. see that. It's not coming to Colorado. It's, it's skipping Colorado, it, the the state completely. They are coming to San Diego, I believe, and I wanted wanted to go, but. I don't remember yeah. what was going on. I, I really enjoyed uh, listening to Adam Savage tease Michael about his speech patterns. <laughs> his work. All right, come on. We got some more news. We got more news. One more one more thing on YouTube Red. Rhett and Link. Love their stuff, too. Watch their uh, their YouTube Red. I got very tired. What's it called? Uh, Rhett and Link uh, Buddy System. If you don't watch 
Good Mythical Morning. They've got a great podcast or a great YouTube show. That's they have fun. a great morning show, yeah. but it, it turned very, very sponsored content over the last year, and yeah. I got real tired of it. Yeah. I don't watch it every day. I've been out of the loop with this YouTube Red. My kids are talking about YouTube Red. I guess they have shows that they watch on it, so I, I popped on a few times. I, I can see a lot of the shows being more towards kids. It's... But. Well, I, for, I know that for my kids, YouTube has functionally replaced television. I mean, there's enough content on there that's highly produced, well-written, and consumable that it doesn't make sense to watch Law & Order Season 12 Special Victims Computer Crimes. It, there's better stuff, and it's free. News! Uh, news! Uh, this, is, this is just a new thing that's coming in Laravel. I wanted to bring it up because I thought it was cool. There's a new blade directive being introduced into Laravel called Include When. And what does Include When do? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. So Include When just basically states a, a, a true or false when something needs to be included. So uh, previously, if you wanted to have a nav bar show up, if a user was logged in, you had to create an if user logged in, include nav view, and if. Um, which, you know, three lines to include something is just a little too much in a view template. So now it's simply include when, give the conditional, and then give the view name. So you can you can chain these up pretty nicely and say, you know, include when user is logged in, include when user isn't logged in, or uh, you can use permissions systems to do stuff. So in in your view, you can have links to restricted or unrestricted access pages, uh, admin tools that are set up for junior admins, things like that. So it, it's not a massive change, but taking those three lines and, and bringing them down to one line uh, could be helpful for a lot of views in administrative tools or systems it, that it just make frequently. It'll make it easier to read. That, yeah. That's the big thing. So that's nice. I, I don't I don't even know what version of Laravel this is going to be packing with. I assume 5.4? Well, around 5.4. It's maybe one of the releases. I, it, it's, the article implies that it's already in the current version, so I don't know when it did come in, but it looks mm -hmm. like it's currently available. Yeah, I just I just uh, tried launching a 5.4. I not tried. I just launched uh, a 5.4 install to do some coding, so I'll have to take a look at that. Sounds, sounds like fun. So my expectations of fun are pretty pretty low at this point. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Next, how about some stu stupid patents, oh, Thomas? God. How do you guys feel about software patents? Pain in the ass. It, yeah. yeah, it depends on what it's for. Obviously, I mean, if if it's something revolutionary, maybe you deserve it. But exactly that that's that's how I feel about it. It's like if it's something really earth shattering, change the way things are done. Yeah, okay, maybe you deserve a patent, but I've seen pat people just come up with some was, pretty weird patents. Wasn't there a patent on like HTML forums where somebody was sending out uh, cease and desist letters to people? Cease and desist, yeah, because they had a still form on their still website. Happening. Still it's happening. Still... What? Yeah, that's just, that's still a currently valid well, patent. And it, it, it wasn't that the big thing with uh, GIFs as well, right? Was it GIF uh, or JPEG? JPEGs, maybe. No, it was GIF. It was GIF? It was GIF, yeah. yeah. GIF, GIF was owned by CompuServe. <laughs> uh, 
So which, which patent do you have for us today? Oh, boy, this is a good one. You know the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation? These are guys interested Big in fan. neutrality. Uh, yeah, Big. I'm a huge fan of them. Big fan. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they dug this one up that, uh, <laughs> that the U.S. Patent Office on January 17th gave a patent to IBM for the out-of-office email auto-reply. So hold on. So, so the, the 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 workflow of a out of office auto reply, or just like somebody wrote an out of office auto reply and patented that. Uh, according to Figure Three, a start date, an end date, and an availability indicator message. You stop it! I, you stop I it! It's God, the it's the email God. itself. The format of the email? The f no, the no when, when of... you're setting it up, when you're setting up an autoresponder. Yeah, the, the format. Uh. Yeah, the format of having a I'm leaving X and returning Y. Uh, and this is a patent that was filed in 1998. <laughs> hey, you know, these uh, guys over IBM, they, they they don't have a lot of uh, a lot of time for any like anything important anymore. Apparently, no. They need to get these. Uh, Auto reply email patents out now, of the way. To to be clear here, this isn't this is the company that made Watson, the artificial intelligence system that is beating people at Jeopardy. But <laughs> now he has a way to let people know when he's on vacation. He can send it a patented auto reply. Yeah. So uh, in response to the EFF's article about how stupid this is. IBM has thankfully stated that it has decided to dedicate the patent to the public. So Aww. you you are still allowed to set up and use an out of office email auto reply system. Um hmm. but boy that is stupid. I I can't even imagine the person at the patent office who was just like, "Oh yeah, that sounds about right." and then just stamped it. That's the thing that kills me. It's like, what is the thought process with these people signing off on these patents? And is it just like one clerk in an office somewhere? Does this go in front of a board? Because some of the stuff, here's a silly thing. I'm originally from Maryland, and that's that we is have silly. An accent. That is We have an accent in Maryland, and we have a way of speaking, especially when you get to places like Baltimore. In Baltimore, there's a very common phrase that said, hey, hun, everybody says it. Hey, hun, it's how you talk to people. Somebody patented that phrase, hey, hun, and every every time somebody, anybody in Baltimore tried to put it on a shirt, she went after them with a cease and desist order. And it's just like, how is that possible? Pat Riley for the Lakers uh, patented three-peat when he was uh, – I think when he was coaching the Lakers, because they were getting ready to win their third championship in a row, and so he had patented the word threepeat. It's like how how is that how can you patent a word or words? Well, I mean, trade if trademark, it's a book, but maybe trademark, but still, you know, in effect, <sighs> the same thing. A yeah, ridiculous restriction on. Yeah, hey, there, there's worse. Uh, Edge is a game company that tried to patent or tried to trademark the word Edge. Uh, but fortunately, they failed on that one since Edge Magazine, which was a gaming magazine, existed. I'm sorry. Edge Magazine was filing. Which either way. Yeah, this stuff is stupid. I hate it. You know, it's not stupid. All right, let's talk about something not so stupid. I don't do the Docker environment. I know you've worked so I on it. I asked you earlier who still use Homestead because I myself have really cut back on my Homestead utilization. Where it used to be my primary development environment, 
I moved to Docker for, for development. I did that for a while. Uh, full disclosure, I don't use it for everything anymore for development. I don't use Homestead either. But I am more and more a Docker fan. I see the benefits, especially, again, if you want to play with different versions. We are actually taking on a client uh, very soon. Actually, I already who, signed. We've, they're already, yep, we've already signed. taken them on. Who has their entire environment deployed on Docker, are, are using Docker. Production? So, production. Oof. Production. Well, this is good news for them, then. Let's uh, hear it. Docker Enterprise Edition and the Docker Certification Program. Another certification program. Uh, this is not a person certification. This is not certifying you. This is certifying oh. Docker extensions. Uh, so, you know, oh. you, you know, in the way that uh, WordPress is a hot dumpster fire because of its plugin system, <laughs> Docker appears to be trying to avoid that by having certified extensions that they have personally reviewed to prevent, you know, combustible Docker instances. <laughs> uh, th there's a lot of concerns when it comes to Docker and security. Um, you know, whenever you see really heated conversations about the uses of Docker in production, it does come down to security. Um, yeah, I know. I know when I did my talk at the PHP user group uh, a few months back, I did it on Docker and using it for development. And eventually the discussion or questions led to using it in production. And we had a person there who was very experienced with Docker, a lot of knowledge, especially around file systems and permissions and things like that. And yeah, he, he was throwing up all sorts of red flags about it and the concerns and some of the things out there that the community is looking to address with running Docker in production. Yeah, so there's there's definitely concerns, um, but now you've got certified containers, uh, certified plugins, things like that. Uh, you also have uh, the Enterprise Edition, which is going to be providing tools for managing Docker farms, uh, tools for doing enterprise-level management of images and containers and all the all that stuff. So it's really just a, a tool set that will sit on top of what's now called the Community Edition. And of course, the 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 LTS that uh, we always talk about here is one of the big things with enterprise groups. And of course, I think Docker is getting into that business now. We all know that Docker and Microsoft are friendly, friendly, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I would venture a guess that Docker is preparing to be acquired. They're they're introducing some very Microsoft terminology in these product lines. And they're clearly vying for a, a higher market value as opposed to simply product value. They're, they're mm -hmm. making themselves fungible. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I have a problem with that, actually. Well, I don't either. I mean, I... V VMware, VMware was able to, that was my biggest concern with VMware. Uh, and I think it, it pretty much mirrors Docker as well today. So where I'm getting at is when I saw VMware, I didn't think it, it the, the biggest thing that concerned me was gambling on a company that their entire business model was on this one virtualization product that they had. And when I was uh, responsible for enterprise, that was concerning to me um, because I didn't know if they had what it was going to take to, to last. Now, I think VMware ended up getting bought by Citrix, right? Didn't VMware get bought? 
Uh, VMware got bought by Sun, I thought. No, not Sun. Because Sun had containers, which actually became Docker, but that's another story. No, VMware got bought by somebody. I forget who. But but it didn't happen when I was um, evaluating them and ultimately ended up implementing it. But it's tough. It's tough Dell. to survive. Dell? No, not really. Yeah, Dell. Dell. Uh, I think they, I, I'm pretty sure Citrix factored in there somewhere somehow. I forget, but but anyways, it's pretty hard to survive in this day and age as a one-trick pony sort of company. Yeah, and getting acquired by somebody like Microsoft is not necessarily a bad thing for something like Docker. Uh, I mean, it's just. Or something I don't know, I like think Microsoft. It's... I mean, Microsoft has a lot to gain from it as well. They're from from all we can tell, they're trying to get away from Windows, um, yeah. which I mean, that's that that might be speculation, but but might I mean, be. it just it does it does it it does give something like Docker that enterprise muscle to forge forward to kind of do some more riskier product ideas and do some experimenting on things, not necessarily releasing it, but giving them that funding that, that could be challenging to come by if, if you're a company off by yourself. So yeah, that's good. I, I, I would be happy to see, I would be happy to see Microsoft purchase Docker or any big company like that, I guess. It's, yeah. I, I don't see Microsoft as the big baddie anymore. I, I think they're, they're changing Don't, don't let your guard down too quick. Don't let you guard down too quick, but yeah, they've been doing a lot. They've they've slowly been working their way back into good graces with the IT community, and it's good to see. I'm not going to switch over to Microsoft yeah. anytime soon, but I won't slam them. What are you talking about? You just talked them. about you just talked about buying a license so you can install it in a virtual machine. I did buy a license. I did buy a license oh. actually. Oh, call yeah. out, Jesus! I bought I bought my first Microsoft license. And so many, and and I I honestly try to work around it. Like there are like these free VMs of Microsoft you can run for a, a limited time, and like my parents will have my my mom would have a problem with their desktop, and I used to be able to walk people through desktop issues on Microsoft, just talking them through it without even opening up my laptop. I could talk them through it. I cannot do I can't do that anymore. And my mom would have an issue. And I'm like, I have no idea where that setting is, Mom. I have no idea how to fix it. And so yeah, I I bought a Microsoft license, so I so I would have a Microsoft VM. And we we've had some. We recently brought on a developer who was having issues with his Microsoft environment, trying to get some development stuff done. And you know, nobody had any tools to to test to help him with his problems or or to test other solutions. So so yeah, I broke down and bought a. Uh, Bought a Microsoft license. That that was uh, a tr- that was a Trump era backpedal. I I will never. How how was that? I, I won't be going to Microsoft anytime soon, uh, <laughs> sir. I understand you just bought a license. Listen, there are people out there who need support, and I have to be. They're huge. Yeah. No not, no no. Having a Microsoft VM <laughs> instance in. in Listen, Thomas I know right. you nope, have Thomas a Microsoft right. desktop. Calm buddy. down, Spicer. You're getting red faced. You have... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, see, I, I use that whole. I, I, I use that whole. Microsoft has changed too much. I can't help you. To my benefit, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. I, I, <laughs> to I get out of, out of helping people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, so we've we, we were talking earlier about how John and I have had a couple of rough days, and you know it actually kind of made last week not seem so bad anymore. Was it last week or was that earlier this was week? It la- Wait, what? What's the day? Today's Thursday. Oh, you're right. It was this week, huh? It was Monday. Yeah, I think it was. So it was Monday. Amazon. My God, <laughs> this is funny. Yeah, you ever this you ever so so, you ever type one of those commands for like uh, delete from table and forget the where clause? Yes. <laughs> uh, ask GitLab about that. I, I think they have. <laughs> <laughs> we sit there and tout the cloud. We sit there and tout having oh yeah use s3 you'll have 20 versions of your files saved in multiple locations but it'll be transparent to you and the file will always be accessible we have entire companies entire businesses including some of our clients that are, are dependent absolutely dependent on amazon web services and man oh man did we did they did we did everybody did the internet have a bad week this week now, wow. so Amazon went down, AWS went down on the West Coast. And it, on the East Coast, right? I thought it was U.S. West. Either way, large chunks of the internet just sort of disappeared for a while. Which well, all, is... of, all, all of us in the IRC channel, we're talking about this nonstop. They, they had hosted their indicator icons for their status page on their own servers so their icons were all still showing up as green mm-hmm. because the red icon <laughs> couldn't be found <laughs> i mean that's the level so... of screw up this was Th- this and and even better this was a typo somebody was bringing down a set of servers for maintenance and just oops an extra zero and brought well, all of them it, it was it was a typo it was a typo in a playbook my understanding of it is they were copying and pasting from an established playbook, and the typo was actually in there. Oh, so it's, it's not even like the developer typed in the wrong thing. The funny you, thing you know is, it's, yeah. you know it's you know it's bad when half the internet crashes and you have to fire your copy editor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there with Eric, and he's telling me that there's an issue, and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he's he's looking at the uh, S3 buckets, and they're they're gone. Yeah, everything's just gone. He he tells me he's freaking out. I'm like I'm like why? And all of our buckets are gone. We're immediately like looking in. I am who's logged in. It was only him and one other developer. I'm like he he had to have deleted them by mistake. Is there any way you could like check them all off and just hit delete? <laughs> so I'm blaming us and because it was because of those uh, status icons all showing green. I'm like there's no issue. Yeah. Well, and when it initially happened. So we we had a client that was hosting a website. You can host websites on S3. And they were hosting a website on S3, and we were monitoring the the website. And we we get an alert in Slack that the site is down. And I'm like, that's stupid. That's an S3 bucket. It it can't be down. So I'm clicking on it. I'm like, "Hmm, that's weird. It's not responding. So I, I open up S3. I'm like, huh, that's strange. There are no S3 buckets. None. And I'm typing in Slack to the to the other developers. I'm like, listen, guys, I'm not trying to freak out here. I'm checking Twitter. Nobody's talking about it. I've checked AWS status page. Everything's green. But when I go to S3, I don't see any buckets. So before I really start freaking out, can somebody just go in there and confirm that they're able to see the buckets? And my main developer re- replies back, dude, they're gone. I'm like, okay, I'm freaking out, man. I'm freaking out. <laughs> 
<laughs> and like I said, when it initially happened, and, and we're, we're seeing all this, nobody's talking about it on Twitter. Nobody is talking. I mean, AWS status page is not changing. And I'm like, oh my God, we just we just destroyed this client because there's so much stuff in S3 for this client. I'm like, we just destroyed this client. And then finally, you should back up their data on the cloud. I start, I start to see some tweets come in. I'm like, okay, okay, it's not just us. It's not just us. And then finally, you know, everything starts to, to formulate. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And and the funniest thing about it was we're on Slack. I'm explaining to the client what's happened. I take a screenshot of uh, the Amazon environment and I put it in Slack, and the screenshot wouldn't upload because Slack uses S3 <laughs> to host the files. I'm like, ah! You know, <laughs> it I, was funny. I told my wife about this. I told my kids about it. They had no idea. I told them, hey, did you know half the internet was down the other day? No. It wasn't half, it wasn't half I used. <laughs> it wasn't the good half. It's fine. Yeah. It was the business half. Uh, I think it affected a lot of work stuff. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it took down a lot of businesses, took down a lot of people. Amazon didn't apologize profusely was the one reaction I saw to their explanation of what happened, which was uh, shit happens and you still have to use us. So uh, did find that interesting. Right, we're, we're, we're at an hour here and we're, we haven't hit any Tom real doom and gloom yet. Do you, doom and do you gloom. have anything for us? Are you guys scared? I'm terrified. <laughs> just conscious to... Just a looming dread. I've <laughs> I've gotten real anxious lately about Facebook and government monitoring and what you put out there and how it comes back to you. Things are weird. I mean, if, if you if you look at big data and the fact that we're collecting far more than we can use, and that has created an industry of people who are just figuring out how to use big data. You know, I've I've told you the story about when Target identified a girl as being pregnant before her father knew. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting closer and closer to wanting to go dark on the internet. You know, remove Facebook, put tape over the uh, cameras, break the microphones. Wear a tinfoil hat. They all they make is a tinfoil trilby, and I want an actual fedora. But everyone mm-hmm. looks at a trilby, and they're like, "That's a fedora," and I'm like, "No." Anyways, tinfoil doesn't work. You, you have to use a cage. You know, I, I, I see stuff out there and I just look at it and go, Jesus Christ, that's terrifying. That, you know, and everyone I know who is in, in programming in IT has the same general dread of like, I know what I'm doing and I'm still doing it, but I know what I'm doing. I know that this is, I'm selling my information for free quote unquote services. I mean, you guys, you guys know that, you know how Facebook monetizes. So you want to hear something funny about this story, Thomas? I'd love to. I haven't read this article yet because I have ad blockers and JavaScript blockers and tracker blockers. I use Ghostly and all these things on my browser. Sure. And when I go to this go, go to this page, it pops up. It won't let me read it because I'm using an ad blocker. So it wants me to log in or create an account to read it. Oh yeah, don't so use... that they can they, they can track me. I'm like, don't use ad blocker. I'm not. I don't. I don't even. I just leave those sites behind i i just chalk them up as okay well i can't use this site because they won't let me they won't let me stay private on it you uh you don't know about ad blockers pro ad initiative 
Is this related to your story? Because we're we're long on time here, so we're awesome on time. Thank you. I'm not I'm not aware of any pro ad initiative. Uh, ad blocker Ad blocker is bad. Uninstall it. Install uBlock Origin. Uh, that's my just quick update on that. Uh, this okay. is a story about Kevin Mitnick, who you guys might know as the world's most famous hacker, which is, generally speaking, not a title that you want as a hacker. <laughs> but he's famous because he did he did a lot of crazy, crazy, crazy shit in the 90s that it, it really set the standard for what a hacker is in the public eye. Uh, now he works as a consultant and... He has just written a book called The Art of Invisibility. Uh, the world's most famous hacker teaches you how to be safe in the age of Big Brother and Big Data. What's interesting to me is the fact that we have, as a society, openly acknowledged that this is the age of Big Brother, and we're kind of just shrugging about it. Because, like, 1984, the book that created the concept of Big Brother was terrifying people read it and were like oh my god this is a living nightmare but thank thankfully it'll never happen and now we constantly reference things as being big brother and we are somewhat indifferent to it generally speaking as long as it's not literally a television set that's installed in our home that has a picture of a person telling us what we can and can't do we're okay with it but like we are in the era of big brother this is a, we're in a post cyberpunk society where right. our information is gathered by our own appliances and sold. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. And, and I mean, and people benefit from it as well. I, I'm, I'm not advocating it, but I know for myself, it's. I, I do like going to Amazon and seeing recommendations for the geek things that I commonly look for as opposed to, um, you know, advertisements for feminine products or something that i would never i would never buy or never have a need to buy um so that's you know and and that's always the spin these corporations put on it we're trying to make your life existence more convenient you know that's why they do all this tracking that's why and it's not true you know we we know it's not true but but people are willing to people are willing to to make that trade-off for for a little convenience for a little discount you know oh i don't have to pay full price at this grocery store if i'm a club member i get 10 percent off it's like why why you know it's yeah i i, I agree i don't i well, don't see it changing anytime soon we we are the tech heads we are the people who know the technology and can use the technology and can push the technology and this article, the, the necessity of this book to exist, let alone to be something for the average person, when Kevin Mitnick is writing for the average user, you're, something is wrong. Um, so we, we need to be the trendsetters with things. Now, we have free encryption services or free SSL certificate services that we've started using, um, mm-hmm. things that are becoming more and more commonplace. Even the most basic website should have HTTPS because why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need to push harder on that. I think the, you said tinfoil hat, and my issue is that tinfoil hat is now a dismissive statement. Is that when I start telling some of my friends who are not in the tech industry about what I know about how big data works and how businesses are collecting and using this data, they say, you really got a tinfoil hat there. I say, no, I don't. I am simply aware of the information that's out there. And I start sympathizing with conspiracy well, theorists who get brushed aside, but well, yeah, it's, that's, it's that's bad. the thing I I always I always tell 
people and especially kids on these social media sites who will tell you, oh, I use this platform because I'm anonymous. I'm like, kid, listen to me. I code. You are not anonymous. I can grab so much information and, and identify exactly who you are, when you are, and who you're talking to. I, we as the the developers and the gods of, of this environment we're in, we can do so much evil. It's not even... People just can't wrap their heads around it. Every keystroke you type on a web page, if I'm a bad person, I'm not talking about a hacker. I'm talking about the developer of that website. If I wanted to capture that stuff, I could. People just don't have a compre- can't comprehend how bad things can possibly get. That, that's so. one of my my favorite stories from back in two thousand three, two thousand four. You know, talking to the CEO of the company, and they asked me if I could redirect payments. I'm like. Yes, I, if I could, could easily substitute my merchant account credentials in or whatever the case may be. And that freaked them out. It's like, what do you expect? I mean, yeah. how do you think you get the money? <laughs> exactly. It's by my good graces, damn it. You're lucky to have me. <laughs> it, I, it was just have one you of ever, those things. Have you, ever, have you ever been asked to do anything morally questionable by a company? Outside of that selling medication online? Yeah. yeah I mean, that, I that's what was going so. on at that company. That... I, I have been in the adult industry for a while, and I'm very thankful now to be at a company that is reputable and would never even imagine uh, some of the immoral stuff that the smaller companies do. But I can tell you that if you if your credit card gets stolen and you call in and have your credit card number changed and get a new card issued, there is a command I can send to your bank to just request the new card number and continue charging to the new card number without your permission. And I can tell you that I've been asked to implement systems like that and had to say no. Yeah. And we, we, we as programmers put thought into practice. We're executing other people's ideas in almost every case. I mean, there are developers who work wholly for themselves, but in most cases, we're putting other ideas into implementation. And we have a very morally grounded job. We have a job where we have to make decisions about whether or not this is the right way to do things or the wrong way to do things, but we can also be put in very immoral situations. And being in this situation of you know being in this position of power makes you aware of the fact that there are other people in the same position of power who are not making the choices you would make morally. Mm-hmm. Scary stuff. This has so, been Tom's painted black hour. <laughs> I uh, I posted on Twitter. I watched a movie over the weekend, and it's funny. My kid has been telling me about this movie for a while. That she's like, Dad, you've got to watch this movie. You would love it. The, and the reason I had procrastinated watching it is because it's in German. The whole movie's in German. She's like, just turn on subtitles. On YouTube, you can turn on subtitles, and they'll put them up in English. I'm like, man, I, 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 that doesn't, that's not appealing to me. Watching a movie and then reading what's being said is not something I... I rarely actually watch a movie. I usually have it like in the background when I'm doing something else. So that was going to require too much attention. And, and I had procrastinated for a long time, and... So something had come across my my desk where it got me thinking about it. I'm like, all right, let me go check this movie out. And the movie's called 
I, I can't I can't pronounce it in German. My daughter does such a great job with it, and I should have had her come in here and do it. But in English, it translates to no system is safe. And I post this on my Twitter. So if, you, if you're listening to this and you follow me, Shokum on Twitter, just go through my feed. You'll see it in there. It's called No System is Safe. And it has another name of Who Am I? So I don't know if the, 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 the English version title is Who Am I? And the German version is No System is Safe or what? But look for both of them. It's on, you can find it on YouTube. It's a very Mr. Robot sort of, uh, movie like you watch it when I watched it I'm like oh yeah this reminds me of Mr. Robot big time but great movie and it talks a lot about uh, the hacker community and, and it really kind of gets into like some of the niche things like things hackers do just to impress their fellow hacker and just to get some sort of acknowledgement from another hacker in the community that maybe they're trying to impress and it's a really good movie. If you haven't seen it, you have the time to sit there and, and read subtitles. Or if you happen to know German, check it out. Uh, it's on YouTube. I watched it on YouTube. I assume it was a legal copy. I couldn't read it. It was all in German. So. <laughs> but but the, the full movie is on YouTube and se- several channels. And uh, it's a good good watch. Thomas, I think you would like it. Uh, John, I think you'd, you'd appreciate it as well. No time yeah, to no, me I'll be watching this very soon. Yeah. Great, great movie. All right, well, I think we're going to need to call this a show. Now, if you don't like my doom and gloom segment, then you're you're on board with Eric. Eric does not like my doom and gloom segment, so I'll be starting a Patreon. Oh, don't be a bu- Don't bully me. <clears throat> I'll I allow you to do it, and I Patreon. participate in your doom and gloom. If you want to support my doom and gloom, I will have a Patreon page where you can donate to doom and gloom. Are you going to do your own podcast, do- Tom, doom and gloom? Nah, it's just going to slowly can- affect this one. We get a lot of people uh, tweet and and find me on Slack and and usually one of their top questions is about Tom and if you live in a if you live in one of those underground bunkers somewhere. Well, my my house is a two level, so it is technically half underground. <sighs> Thomas, Thomas. All right, we're at episode fifty one. Next episode fifty two, which ideally we'll do next week would represent a full year although it's not a full year i I went back and looked our first show recording was i think um march 19th so somewhere we doubled up but or somebody forgot how to count that's always an option next (laughs) next week we will have episode 52 done so we should uh we should do something special all doom and gloom. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know I Killing could do falls. it. You wouldn't even Killing have to show falls. up. I'll host the it. whole thing. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. This has episode been PHP 52, Ugly. 51. This has been fun. Episode 51. I'm Tom Rideout. I'm John Congan. <laughs> Keep it ugly. How's that the new thing? Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And a special thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter, 
You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly.